I don't know if I'm super sensitive and it's something in the rain, but I, I feel like I've smelt some urine in the house and I thought that Norman was spraying. So I got a black light torch and now Miff's searching her clothing to oh, see what really? comes up. It's a horrific torch to use. Like it's used for your pet urine and bed bugs, but it picks up everything. I have neither of those in my house, by the way. on. Hello, Miff. Hello. How are you? Happy birthday. What? 150. Oh, right. You're talking about my dog age or my... No, bang on. With oh, 150 episodes. Of course. That's amazing. Can you believe Congratulations. That? I feel like this should be some sort of montage harp sound. Remember when we first cooked up this idea, idea of bang, bang on. on. Oh. Feels so long ago. Gosh, who are we now? Who are we now? Mm. Who are we now? I don't actually know. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I had an existential crisis. It just went, it was really quick. Came it's, on very, very fast. But 150, that's huge. It's very exciting. Um, we want to celebrate with you, Bang Fam. We're actually going to ask you to help us celebrate towards the end of Bang On. Um, but it's been a big week of celebration. It's been kind of a big week for musical celebrations because the ARIA Awards were last mm-hmm. night, Australian Music's Night of Nights. So awesome to see Sampa the Great smashing it, winning oh. three awards, and I reckon the performance of the night, um, which oh. was captured in Botswana. Have you seen it? It was unbelievable. That's I when I turned crying. on. I started crying too. And you know when she said at the start, did you hear what she said? Mm. This industry, is it free for people like me, diversity, equity, in your ARIA board and they broadcast that and I love that because the it's known that the ARIA board has been predominantly men in previous years, although that's changed recently, which is good. Mm. And um, I think she might have been treated in the ad breaks last year yeah, quite badly. Yeah, hip release was put in the ad break instead of in the main broadcast yeah, and she called yeah. that out Oh, rightfully. that's right. She said they bury us in the ad breaks. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, go girl. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Totally powerful performance. I just said, yeah, go girl, like a middle-aged mom, <laughs> didn't I? It's all right. I'll, t- I'll, I'll show myself out. You're 150, out. so you're I am. I'm showing myself out. <laughs> yeah, go girl. Um, it was beautiful also to see Uncle Archie Roach inducted yeah. into the ARIA Hall of Fame. It looked like he was, I think, in a beautiful old theatre in Warrnambool in his hometown and he was surrounded by family and friends. Paul Kelly was there, his lifelong collaborator, um, helping induct him into the Hall of Fame. And it was just... Long overdue, but thank God it happened on the 30th anniversary, no less, of yeah. Charcoal Lane. So that was really gorgeous. Um, but there were some... Can I just say, if you haven't already read Archie Roach's book too... Tell me ...that why. came out last year, that is something... You must get it for yourself for Christmas. Like, it's it's brutal and it's wonderful and it's, yeah, it's one, one of the greatest reads I've had in the last couple of years, I think. So do that. Do yeah, that for yourself or give it list. to somebody you love. I'm very keen to read that. Um, Uncle Archie, what a legend. Mm. There was some very 2020 vibes with some of the speeches. There was a lot of bad internet. I was shaking my fist at the <laughs> NBM and just this whole Zoom conference call vibe where it's like, I can't oh, hear you properly. Yeah. Um, but overall, I thought that it was pretty well, all things considered. Good. Like, you know, you've seen a lot of these sort of things go down and I thought it was done pretty well. But... Someone needed to tell the presenters, I'm not sure whether there was pre-recorded bits and they added it later, but the presenters throughout the show kept on 
sort of making the point that there was no one in the room, but then Channel 9 had slapped really bad canned applause oh over as well. So the presenters bit... are like, there's no one here. But then there's like fake laughter and canned applause. It's like there's, someone hasn't emailed someone to let them know this is going to happen. Yeah. And it was just so jarring. And it was, and sometimes it was a little bit slow too, yes. like where you'd expect the laugh and then it would come in like a beat later. I, I quite enjoyed that. I thought that was good. And I like to see people trying to, you know, work with what is – a difficult situation and try to make it work but also I like watching them mess it up a little bit too because <laughs> there's the joy in that like it's not in a bitter way it's just like, oh that's cute yeah we're trying everybody is trying it's um, been a year of trying to do our best I thought Delta did a great job too yeah she, she held was it down a great host yeah yeah and Joel Creasy of course but I love him he looked amazing yeah what was he wearing oh we can't say that it's an ABC podcast oh we can say it was a it was a green Zebra slash leopard style boiler suit. Okay, amazing. I thought it was amazing. A, I thought it was matchies, but it was actually a boiler suit. <laughs> it was a boiler suit. What a lord! I loved it. This old boiler loved that boiler. <laughs> um, there was another big celebration of music this week as well, not without controversy, of course, because the Grammy nominations also came out yesterday. Women dominating across the board. Mm. Beyonce leading the nominations with nine. Taylor Swift and Dua Lipa also up there with lots of nods. And in the best rock performance and best country awards, only women are nominated. Amazing. Significant. It's huge. It's actually huge given for years we haven't seen women in the rock category at all really Um, and it's it, it's an indication that they're pulling their socks up. They were raked over the coals last year and the previous year mm. for not incorporating diverse artists, not incorporating women, not really acknowledging a whole bunch of folk that, that deserve to be acknowledged. And they've pulled their socks up. They've done it. Uh, sadly, it's been overshadowed by The weekend, the Canadian artist The weekend, Cracked who, the shits. Who's cracked the shits and said that the Grammys are corrupt. Um because he didn't get a nominee, he has had one of the most successful albums of the year, and, and, and Shining Lights is is well. a great song. Yeah, weird that it didn't get a nomination, but you know, it's awards. They're always subjective. Yeah, they're always they're tied in external forces that no one can really predict. And I feel like thankfully those external forces are moving the way of more interesting artists. And not to say the weekend's not. He certainly is, but in terms of allowing more women and more people of colour, all of that stuff to be nominated and from different parts of the world and not just, you know, America kind of thing. And the Grammys is just playing catch-up. This is certainly not lip service or any kind of affirmative action. This is what people are listening to. These are the things that are charting. Mm. These are the uh, rooms when we have live music that are selling out. So the Grammys has been on the back foot on this and finally catching up. Mm. Um, Bob Dylan didn't get an award, get a, get a nom though. I'm sh- <laughs> shook. Isn't that illegal? <laughs> Pretty sure. I mean, apparently that record was amazing. I Apparently I say that. I've, I've, I listened to the, the, the long track and that was great. But um, <laughs> Oh, that was really long, wasn't it? 19 minutes or something? Yeah, 17 minutes. Um, it was really good though, but it's, it's, I mean, Bob doesn't need that award, does he? No. He's fine. He's got a Pulitzer. Yeah, he's fine. fine. He's full. Yeah. <laughs> I'm full. I'm done. His toilet would be full of awards. <laughs> that's, that's where most of the artists put it, don't they? If they get Kanye, something. literally. Yeah, well that, oh my God, he pissed on it, didn't he? That's right. How quickly I forget. Right, 2020. It's, it's been a big year. <laughs> Now, if we talked a lot about the Crown 
I mean, we talk a lot about the crown in yeah, general. All the time. Everyone's talking about it and we love it. But you drew my attention to a really interesting piece in The Guardian. Young women are watching Diana's story in The Crown with horror. Rhiannon and Lucy Coslett has written this piece and I really connected with it because of my obsession with the monarchy but my distaste with an idea of a monarchy rule. Mm. You know, the idea of being born to rule is to me shocking. Absolutely shocking and we shouldn't endorse it at all because, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're only assuming that the people in power are born with the morals and the kind of understanding of what humans require in order to rule. You're assuming that they're, they're born with, with good intentions. Not all of them are. So, yeah, it's terrifying to me. Um, but she made the really interesting point that a whole new generation of, of young women, feminists, who are predominantly feminists, I'd say most women would say they're feminists now, they're into equality, we all are, um, are watching The Crown and they're absolute, that while they are aware of the Princess Diana princess story, which is traditionally, you know, girl from, girl from nowhere marries prince, becomes globally famous, uh, lives happily ever after, which we know she didn't. Mm. They're growing up with this story or learning about this story um, and being absolutely horrified and mortified as to how Princess Di was treated at that time. And what I really loved was when she showed some examples of people from other countries trying to make sense of the monarchy and of the rules. And one of those rules was, was that Charles was to marry a virgin, which is just, I mean, what year is this? Yeah. This was only the 80s. How absolutely rank. I didn't realise that this was a rule. Yeah, apparently so. Um, good luck trying to enforce that one these days with anyone. <laughs> um, listening to people from other countries trying to make sense of the royals and the tragedy that befell the princess, she says, she says this all of which serves to shed a light on our bizarre state as royal subjects, a state that even we fierce abolitionists sometimes forget is entirely based on, excuse my language, absolute horseshit. It's true. It's just made up rules. Yeah. They're just made up and it's it's absolute bollocks, a and, lot of it. And we have this idea that Diana, you know, from afar came in and was fell apart, like was mentally unstable within mm. the... Uh, Windsor Castle within Buckingham Palace. But when you see, and again, The Crown is not documentary, it is mm. a fictionalised story, but when you see the sort of realm that she's probably going into, you're like, no, they're bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's not her, you know. Poor thing. And, and I think young women are seeing that story as more of a horror story now than a classic princess tale. Um, as they have been looking at the Monica Lewinsky story with new eyes too mm. um, and how poorly she was treated. But it also talks about aristocracy um, and their links historically to things like the slave trade. All of this stuff is coming up and coming to the surface and I think we're finding out even here in Australia within our church systems, the systemic abuse and the cover-up of systemic child sexual abuse is just appalling within our legal systems and our policing systems. We're finding how um, how difficult they have made it for our First Nation peoples. Um, I think we're learning about all this. This is a real moment of reckoning. And while it is a dramatisation, it's still kind of based on fact with the Crown. I, I think more and more this could actually do harm to the monarchy in the end because people will realise it's kind of bollocks. They've also, we talked last week about this retelling of history that feels very recent but this speaks completely to the point where and even further back stories where we're talking about when 
um, Australia was colonised or when um, the slave trade happened. All of this stuff, they're stories that are told over and over again, but with each each telling um, and each year that passes, and particularly in the last 10 years, it feels like more voices are being heard, actually listened to. So the story does change because Mm. the perspectives that not only are heard but also the generations that are telling them and listening to them change as well. So I I think that it's really important to look back on these quote-unquote old stories that we feel we know with a new gaze and that's what this article captured so well, thinking about you and I. I remember when Princess Diana died. I, I remember where I was. I think everybody who grew up in that time remembers exactly where they were and watching the 24-hour news channel. I think it was like CNN or whatever and it all unwrapping. But I grew up as a little girl watching all of this and I had. I remember I had a cutout um, paper doll collection of when they got married and the oh outfits that they'd wear to Balmoral <laughs> and stuff. Like we're all obsessed. It was like yeah. a fairy tale. So that whole... And we'd also been brought up on fairy tales too. Yeah, literally like I was the age where I was still in this kind of imagination-filled world of make-believe and this seemed like a dream come true. So seeing it again not only in this different light but also seeing it through the gaze of a young feminist, a young woman who's never lived through that mm. is fascinating. It was a really good piece. Yeah. I'm excited for the future if people yeah. are going to say, hang on a minute, we don't accept that story. And, and I think we've noticed that with Meghan Markle who with her partner Harry have decided not to do any royal ju- duties anymore, yeah. have opted out. And that, you know, the treatment that she must be receiving at the hands of the general public and the media in terms of not just being a princess who's in a way abdicated from her duty – God forbid a woman do that and God forbid a woman encourage her husband to do that. Um, she's also encountered severe racism that is, and been gaslit for it. People are saying it's not true, it's not happening. This is, no, we just don't like her because she's sort of self-obsessed, blah blah but it's like, no, nah, it's racism. Yeah, and I think that Harry from, again, it's from afar, it's kind of conjecture around this, but it seems like he saw what was happening. He recognised that it was a similar way that his mother was treated and he was like, no, nah, this is not going to happen um, for, for me and my family mm-hmm. as well. She wrote a great piece as well, a lot of people are talking about in the last day for, uh, it was an op-ed for the New York Times, a beautiful beautiful piece, a very concise piece which captures her recent experience of miscarriage, yeah. which is news to m- most people. But she it's called The Losses We Share and we'll put it in the show notes. But she linked this experience that she had not only with the taboo nature of miscarriage that more and more people are speaking about but that does affect so many women mm. and is not spoken about broadly if you think about it in that context – But she also linked it to this bigger idea of grief and suffering in solitude, both in that people don't talk about it so you're very isolated in that regard, but also how much isolation in general has been magnified by this COVID virus that, Mm. you know, and the division and mistrust that we have of one another, particularly in America, has really made us isolate from each other. And she literally said, you know, That moment when that journalist asked her a couple of years ago in South Africa, are you okay? And she gave a very candid response. It was a total trigger. And And she was raked over the coals for that. For for showing um, emotion or at least even it was even it was just a glimmer of emotion. It wasn't it wasn't strong. She just kind of went, you're the first person something along the lines of you're the first person who's actually asked me that. Yeah. Which is fine. She's a human being. 
It was a really yeah. great piece that spoke to that need to, that we've spoken about a lot, particularly during lockdown, of connection and tied mm. something incredibly personal to a much bigger idea and it was really beautiful. Yeah. And this is, you know, I know that they're not officially doing royal stuff but this is the new royals. Yeah. And new she's royal still stuff. the Duchess of Sussex well, and using, she's speaking out about this. It's, it's fantastic. It's public profile to help other people. Yeah. Which is essentially what royalty has done. They don't have necessarily political power, although they can dissolve parliament and all of those sort of things. But in terms of their actual job, it's to turn up at, at functions and make people happy. Yeah. And this is a different way of doing it and I like it. Yeah. More for it. Hey, let's stay around in that part of the world really quickly. We have mm. to acknowledge Scotland, oh. the first place in the world to provide sanitary products for free. Yes. So good. It's the best and I cannot believe that this is not the case here in Australia or in any other Western country where we can certainly afford it. I mean, it was only the last couple of years that we abolished the tax yeah. on sanitary products. But I think when we come from usually reasonably comfortable middle-class households that we've, we live in um, or have, have grown up in, it's hard to imagine period poverty, but that's a thing that exists and it exists in our country, it exists everywhere. It's where girls can't afford to purchase sanitary products and doing this will help eliminate period poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think it only dawned on me probably about 10 years ago that I realised, of course, in some countries, particularly third world countries, girls stop going to school when they've got their period because of the stigma but also because of lack of availability of sanitary products. So in a sense, uh, period poverty is more than that. Period poverty is not just not being able to afford it. Period poverty is, is stopping women from moving forward, getting an education yeah. in a lot of situations. So I think this is huge. Um, I just wish we could do it here. Now, new segment this week, things we don't understand. Mm. Um. Uh, look, you could actually just call the whole podcast this, but um, or be, w w things we're trying to understand. <laughs> Feeling our way through life. <laughs> look, you sent this amazing article oh. to me, a metal well, it was monolith. actually our producer, Ryan. Who, shout outs. Yeah, shout outs, um, who pointed me in this direction and everyone's talking about it this week. Utah. That's sort of Central America, isn't it's it? Southwest. Like, southwest, yeah. yeah the so. desert. Actually, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, geography, have been it's to Joseph America. It's Joseph Smith territory. It's where that's the Mormons right. come from. That's right. Um, a monolith has turned up in Utah's desert and this monolith is like the one in 2001, yeah. the, the movie. Um, it's turned up but, like, no one told anyone about it. It was just spotted flying over. People were counting I don't know, some Wild sort of sheep or animals. Something. Yeah, they were doing like a, a survey. Yeah. And it's really remote. Like it's, it's not easy to get to nah, this and it's place. Not like, and it's not like anyone said, hey, there's this weird thing, go and check <laughs> it out. It's like someone found it from the sky. Um, <laughs> and like no one knows why and I love it. Can um, we just like describe it? If you haven't seen it, it's a small – sorry, I'll do that again. It's a smooth, tall, three-sided structure. Shiny. It's, it's – looks like that like a monolith but it's three to four meters high mm. and it looks very out of place in the desert yeah um it does have screws in it which makes me think it's not an alien thing okay but well look who knows you know you don't know if they're <laughs> i mean how else are they keeping their spaceships together this is the next season of the block <laughs> <laughs> build your own monolith <laughs> 
Is that an alien? No. <laughs> it's just block o'clock. <laughs> oh, man. I've just learned how to use a drill. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm Did ready. I'm ready for the alien invasion. <laughs> ready. Oh, my God. I've just learned how to use a drill is the best sentence you've said to me this week. It, it's so empowering, Zan. Can I, I tell you? I'm going to bang on about I that. It would be, although I don't think I've no, ever used it. No, you've never used one. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's actually quite, you've got to work out how to put the screw in. You've got to work out that there's two different bits. And it's just something that I've never done before. And I thought, fuck it, it's time. <laughs> and I did it and I loved it. You've entered the power tool phase of I your know, life. I'm, I'm ready to it. make a monolith. But apparently this monolith has appeared once before or, or similar to it. And I'm not surprised because it does come from Kubrick's 2001. So... It's apparently, you know, it's some, a reference to that. Yeah. And it, they'll probably keep turning up, but I'm into it. I'm into it. It's I don't a billionaire care. doing this and I'm all for it. Public yeah. art for the win. Yeah. One other thing we didn't understand this week, how's this for a headline? Mm. Former Sex Pistols frontman Johnny Rotten has revealed that he was recently bit on his penis by a flea after inviting some squirrels into his Los Angeles home. <laughs> Should I just leave it at that? <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> He, in in latter years, he's been a bit of a knob. Um, oh, he's an absolute dickhead. <laughs> there you go. Knob, knob gets bitten on the knob. <laughs> That's what you get for trying to befriend squirrels. Maybe they found out he was a Trump voter. Is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course he is. Anyway, that's ending our Punk. things we don't understand segment. <laughs> Punk. Email us if there's anything you don't understand. and we'll All of it. All of the above. Um, hey, Zan, what are you banging on about this week? I'm banging on about the new film, American Utopia, which some people would recognise as the concert that toured here to Australia by David Byrne. And then it went to Broadway for a run of uh, months and was there captured on film by Spike Lee, the iconic film director. I saw this in the very same theatre, the Hudson Theatre in New York, Mm. pretty much this time last year. And watching the film reminded me of being in that theatre and just how amazing it was, because I'm a massive David Byrne and Talking Heads fan, but just how much his back catalogue of songs just clicked so much with the culture and with society today. And now a year on watching this film, it's even more powerful. And I think that that's remarkable for a pop songwriter, and he is a genius, but a pop songwriter to have these songs that he was writing in the 70s and 80s that just make incredible sense. Like he's an amazing mind. But also... You know, you don't have to be a David Byrne or Talking Heads fan like I am to enjoy this. In fact, I remember the night that we went and saw it in the theatre, the people sitting next to us just wanted to come along and see a Broadway show like so many people do. They didn't really know much of his stuff. They knew the hits. Um, And they were leaping joyfully with us by the end of the show. They loved it. It was one of the best things that they've ever seen. It just, this show redefines the live experience and it's obviously not going to be able to be seen anywhere for quite a while. So if you want to see it and sit in a cinema because it's opening in select cinemas around Australia today, you can really just immerse yourself in what was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. And there was a couple of things that actually stuck out that I wanted to point out. They do a cover version of Janelle Monae's Hell You Talking About, which she performed at the, I think, the Women's March initially. And she basically in that song is saying the names of all of the black people who have been killed at the hands of the police and basically saying, say her name, say his name, say his name, and repeating it, really just putting it front and centre. You have to deal with this. Um, That whole say their name movement has been a huge part of the Black Lives Matter movement. And when I was watching it again during this film and knowing Spike Lee 
directed it and he added more of his own narrative to that part of the film. I just remember being back in that theatre in the third row in what was largely a white audience, largely a middle-class Anglo audience, and the band members as they chanted these names, and it went on for eight minutes, Mm. looking directly at all of us and demanding we say their names, and it was just so confronting in the best of ways and so powerful, and I was reminded of that. So if you saw it and you want to relive it or if you – were curious or even if you just want to be immersed in some groundbreaking and very fun live music, I can't recommend it highly enough. I loved it. One of my biggest regrets is the gig was on when in Melbourne. He did it in Melbourne and I had a I had a a work thing in Brisbane so I had to give my tickets away. I was the same. I was in the wrong city at the wrong time. I literally flew to New York when I was in Mexico mm. to see this show. Yeah. Um but yeah, everyone that walked away just said, amazing. So I can't wait. I can see it in the cinema. You can see it in the cinema and cinemas are open again, which is so good. What are you banging on about? Um, Well, you pointed this wonderful news to me and I I feel like I bang on about this television series maybe once a year and (laughs) I haven't done it thus far. So do you remember Toast? Oh, I remember Toast. Toast of London, Toast. Matt Berry. As I saw this, I was like, oh, Miff. Matt Berry, who is um, an actor, has this character, Stephen Toast, who is an old, you know, BBC style actor. Who does amazing voiceovers and all that sort of stuff? It's one of the funniest TV series I've ever seen. I love it. I love watching it. I go back to it. I never go back to anything. I go back to this all the time. Apparently, it's back. Toaster's got a career in America now. It seems so. As long as Clem Fandango, who does his um, like advertorial reads in the studio booth with him, who just gives him constant amounts of shit, as long as Clem <laughs> Fandango, because, you know, the classic line, you'll see it coming up everywhere. Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. You know, like it's like, you know, mismatched generations, all of that, mismatched cultures. It's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, if there is a toast of the US, I will be losing my mind. It will be interesting to see how it goes as a spin-off too in a different environment because mm. it feels very British. It's very British. But yeah. that, I think that will make it even better. Yeah. Because Toast of London, Toast of, of America, um, <laughs> he, he's only going to get it even more wrong because he gets it wrong even in his own <laughs> in his own territory. I love it. Very exciting news. Now, it is our 150th. We are aged women in Bang On. Um, and we're heading towards the end of the year, which means we'll take a little break. Yep. Not as big as the last break. Don't worry. We'll be coming back early next mm. year. But we want to dig into some good tips from you for the summer break. So anything you've been reading or short or long read or watching or listening to, um, we'd love to hear about it. We want to bang back. We haven't done it in ages with our bang fam. Yeah. Over a year. It's been a long time. So we'll do a special episode um, towards the end of this year, banging back with you. If you've got some wonderful bang backs to share with us, email us in the email address in the show notes um, and we'll we'll bang back uh, or even before at, we bang off. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone, where's that blacklight? <laughs> Yuck. Yuck. Um, don't forget Fahashen as well. If you've got a specific oh, yes. thing you want to bang on about 
in for half. It's, just, it's been it a weird been year covered. for fashion as well. Totally. I'd love to hear from you. Oh, my God. And usually we would do a live show at some stage. Mm. We obviously haven't been able to do that. But a big part of that would be having a fashion show for anybody oh. who's ever been to our Bang On Live mm. shows. Um, so maybe we can do a bit of an audio fashion mm, show and mm. just describe things. I know, look, oh, that'll I'm, work well for a podcast, that'll won't work it? Well. An audio fashion show. Good idea, Zan. <laughs> How fine. do you even have a career? As long as I get to get the Janome out again, that's <laughs> all that matters. Power drills, Janomes. Oh, You've mate, had a very, very, uh, very, very industrious year, haven't you? I have. I have become a home renovator and I, and I love it. I feel empowered. I feel like I don't need anyone anymore. It's magnificent. So good. Yeah. None of this, none of this hire somebody. I'm doing it myself. <laughs> and even if I mess it up, which I have done a few times, but look, that's okay. It's all learning. I'm going to um, contract you to do some stuff on my house. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. See ya. Bang. 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 Bang.